Well, good morning, audience as well. Hope that you can participate with us today in worship as we lift up our praise to the risen Lord Jesus. Let's stand together as we open our service in song, as we sing about the love of God, that we can bring anything before God today, that he is our hope, he is our rest. In these times of summer, in these times of refreshing, that God is a place of refreshing. So this morning, I invite you to bring all you have, all that you're carrying, and lay it before the Lord today and trust in him.
now to to be reminded that that's our reality that in this moment we would feel awakened by you by the power of the spirit of the living god awake us jesus
It's Kids Club. We have 150 kids signed up. We had to close registration. And it's not just a community event. It's not an event that anyone else could put on. It is a church event where these kids are going to hear about the love of Jesus. And we are blessed to have Kaylee, who works with our children each and every week. I hope she's not watching this because she's supposed to be on vacation, resting, getting, getting prepared, resting her soul and getting excited about what God is going to do that week. But the, in the bridge, it says, and when he moves, and when we pray, God is already working. He's already moving. He's not waiting for us. He is already working in these people's lives, these families, these kids. And when he moves, and when we pray, where stood a wall, now stands a way, where every promise is amen. I want to pray right now for our service, for what God can do in your life, in my life this morning, as we meet together, as we sing these songs. I want to pray for our kids club, for these 150 kids, for the volunteers, for Kaylee, for all of the hard work that you don't see that she puts in each and every week preparing for this week of camp. And I'm so thankful that God is already on the move and he's asking us to join in and pray with him this morning. So let's continue to stand and pray this morning. God, we thank you for this morning. We thank you that we can freely meet in this place, that we can sing praises to you, that we get to hear from your word. We thank you that you have already been moving in this place, waiting for us to meet with you, that you are working and moving in the lives of these families and these 150 kids that are signed up for camp God, I thank you for all of those that have signed up to volunteer. I, I pray that you would give them excitement and energy and a willingness to see what you can do through them that week. I thank you for Kaylee and her family. I thank you for the hours that she pours into the families and lives of the people in this church. I pray that you would give her rest this week, that she would come back even more energetic, if that's possible, for Kaylee as she comes back and, and leads these volunteers to preach Jesus boldly to these kids at camp. God, we thank you that you are here with us this morning. We thank you that we can give back now a portion of what you've blessed us with. And we thank you that you love us and you care for us in your name. Amen. You may be seated. Just one announcement this morning, now that I've buttered you up. We are looking to raise $3,000 to purchase Bibles to give any kid at camp that wants one attending this summer. And so there are over 150 kids registered. That means that there could be a lot of Bibles potentially to be given out. Um, and the Bibles that we're looking at getting, because we want to get, get them nice, not the thin paper they're going to go home and rip right away, uh, they're about $20 a piece. So our goal is that every child attending camp would fall in love with Jesus, fall in love with his word, and be able to take that home, a Bible, all of their own. So if you want to give specifically to that cause, to Bibles for camp, you can, um, you can, you know, drop money off at the office. Just make, if you put it in the offering plate, you can designate that as Bibles for camp, just so that those that are counting know which account for that to go to. Uh, that's the only announcement this morning, so with that, we're going to continue on in our worship.
As we continue in the presence of God, I'm just going to give you the freedom to remain seated and thinking in prayer as we enter into this next song. And at any point, if you feel you just want to stand up and enter in in that way, feel free to do that as well. This is just a time of reflection, knowing that we can be trying in our own strength for, for so many things, and we need to rely on the power of God. His promises never fail. Though we don't always see the bigger picture, we can hold on to that truth. And so we'll sing that. Encourage our hearts, lift up our hearts to the Lord.
promise still stands Great is your faithfulness Faithfulness I'm still in your hands This is my confidence You've never failed me yet You've never failed me God, your promises hold forever. But there is one thing about that, is that you require of us to, to, to seek after you, to live in your ways. And so we think of those stories in scripture where people followed your ways and were under pressure, were put in the fire, and you were there with them, protecting them. Because of their faithfulness to you, you honored also your promise to them. Encourage us now to live in your ways, to follow you with our heart. And when we struggle, when we fail, you pick us up. And when we experience the fires of life, you are there. Should I? 
Tom to come on up. You can be seated and we're going to let our kids now go to their time of uh, Kids Zone, who are all together now in the summer in the chapel and our middle school age downstairs in their room. Yeah, you can grab the red one there. Okay. Good morning, everyone. Just to say, uh, if you're a visitor here today, I hope you feel at home. And uh, not only are you welcome, but you're needed here. We have a place for you to serve and to to learn and to grow and be discipled as well. Uh, This is a church in motion. We are looking towards the fall, uh, some exciting things coming uh, your way as well. If you're a teenager here, we're glad you're here. You, You face a rough world out there. Stuff that uh, us old folks had never had to face. And we pray for you regularly to be strong in your faith as well. I just wanted to mention that I I visited one of our members uh, in the hospital this week. He is now in hospice care. Uh, His name is Gary Decker. And um, whenever I visit Gary, I leave inspired. He has a number of days left uh, on this earth. And what inspires me is... He's making the most of every single day. He's been in there uh, in hospice care, I think, in a matter of weeks, maybe two weeks. He's led 20 people to Christ. Oh. 
When we say make the most of every day, you don't really know how many days are left. Uh, maybe you heard about that car that was running away from a police uh, stop uh, in Vancouver, uh, I think last week, hit uh, another car as they were trying to escape, killed two young people. Uh, one of those was a student of my brother-in-law's at Britannia High School. He was like 19. We don't know the number of days that we have. So we want to make the most of them. I was reading, this month I've been reading uh, a psalm a day. So on the 15th, I read the 15th psalm. On the 30th, the 30th psalm. Yesterday, or today is the 31st psalm. And uh, I was thinking of Gary when I read this out of Psalm 31 without my glasses. It could be just about anything. We'll just say, <laughs> for you are my rock and my fortress, and for your name's sake, you lead me and you guide me. And you take me out of the net they have hidden for me, for you are my refuge, and into your hand I commit my spirit. You have redeemed me, O Lord, faithful God. And in verse 14, but I trust in you, O Lord. I say you are my God. My times are in your hand. Rescue me from my enemies, from my persecutors. Make your face shine on your servant. Save me in your steadfast love. And let's pray together. Father God, I pray for marriages in our church. Those that are strong, may you make them stronger. Those that are weak and struggling, I pray, Father, that they would find help to get past the impasse, to not give up, to be strong, to go forward, to reach out, and, Father, to bring back wholeness where there's division and strife. For the teenagers, Father, that are struggling, looking at life, seeing the mountains that stand before them, that sometimes get caught up in Internet uh, expectations and standards that are unrealistic and challenges that they face, and... They sometimes get discouraged. I pray, God, your spirit would envelop them and fill them with your presence and let them see the amazing potential that they have and that you will see them through the next parts of their life and into fulfillment. I pray, God, too, you would be calling teenagers now into your service, that we would see people coming out of this church, going into the mission field and going into full-time Christian ministry, that you would be impressing upon them now your, your future for them, give them a vision for the number of lives that they can impact through your, your presence in their life. Pray for our seniors in our church as well, as they, they know that their days are numbers as well, like all of us. Um, they live long lives. May they be people of influence. May they be people of encouragement to the younger generations. May they walk alongside those that are struggling and say, it's okay, I've been there, done that. God is faithful. Father God, may we all remember that our days are numbered and to make every day count Father, not to live for ourselves, but to live for you. We're going to be facing you soon enough and living in your eternity that you prepared for us. I pray strength for Gary, for his wife, as they see your face coming closer and closer to, to them. I pray, God, that you would give them the strength to live out these days in, in a way that would bring honor and glory to you. I know that's Gary's heart. And uh, if he could just reach one more person, one more person a day, for your glory, for your kingdom, for eternity. That's all he asked for. Thank you, God, for giving Gary to, to this community 
for the number of lives he's impacted. And I know there's going to be a host of witnesses up there to say thank you, Gary, for taking time with me. May we all have that sense, Father, that we want to bring people with us and share the gospel of hope and peace and encouragement to them whenever we have the chance. Guide us today to continue to worship you. Thank you for, for Pastor Neil and what he's prepared for us as we look to see how you spoke through your minor prophets to change lives, to bring truth, to set your standards in front of your people and give them a chance to return. May this day be blessed, not just because we've been here, but because you've been in us and through us and will be working through us this week. And I pray in Christ's name, amen. Hey guys, it's great to be back here and, uh, you know, I, I appreciate the people that are saying, hey, good to see you and all this. Someone said to me to this morning, oh, you look so rested. I'm like, on the outside, my body's vibrating on the inside, but that's pretty much normal with the coffee and chocolate. But it is great to be here and uh, it was awesome to be able to get away and go and fellowship with different bodies uh, in this community and around the areas that I was traveling. And it was so neat to be able to go into a, a fellowship and, and be greeted and just enjoy being able to worship together. There were some churches I walked in and I felt uh, cold and I felt cold when I left uh, and they didn't have AC. Uh, other churches, it was just amazing uh, fellowship where they welcomed. There was one church where Linda and I sat down and, uh, you know, I tried to sit and see what would happen, you know, curiosity. And this one lady introduced herself. By the end of the service, everybody seemed to say, hi, welcome Neil and Linda. And we couldn't get out of the building. And believe me, I was getting hungry at this point. It's like, thank you. I'm not going to be a member. You know, I'm, uh, so every church has its strengths and weaknesses, but it was really neat just the fellowship with these different bodies. But Linda and I both said when we came back the other week and we were sitting in and just worshiping you, it was just a blessing to worship Jesus with you. And it's so thank you for allowing us to be part of this body and uh, uh, cherish your fellowship and friendship, uh, but I do need to get to the message. Uh, so today, I come back and we're on the minor leagues, and I'm not a baseball fan. Uh, sorry, I don't know. I played baseball as a kid, but I did have a different sport that I got into, and that's because my kids uh, started getting into it. Pastor Sam got into it. Uh, it was, it's just a really neat thing, and it, it, it brought me to a message because uh, when I throw, and it's, everybody throwing a Frisbee? You guys throwing a Frisbee? 
Yeah, you've tried, that's good. Well, disc golf is a little different. Uh, disc golf, I'm praying for you that are sitting on the aisles. Uh, <laughs> may God have mercy. <laughs> These discs hurt. <laughs> but what I found is, I love throwing, you got 250 yards to the, the cage, and you think, man, I can do this. Well, I discovered, I mean, I can throw short distances. We, you might not be charismatic, but cover your face. Uh, I can throw short, see? I go to the left. Uh, it's just my tendency. I would say, so my kids are great helps for disc golf because the goal is you want to go the distance and you don't want to veer off course, right? Sound like a good thing? So I would, let's take the mid-range. They have special numbers to help you. I don't know what they mean, but... <laughs> So they would get me positioned, elbow up like you're going to face somebody, you know, with the elbow, and then throw. And no matter what, I would go like this. And it would just... So whatever distance, I was going 200 yards straight. Okay, ready for this? 200 yards straight. See, I'm really nervous. My wife was even more nervous this morning when I told her I was going to do this. Okay? <laughs> you saw me. Uh, but if I was going to go 100 yards even, it would go 100 yards that way and then 200 yards that way. So then my son says, I see your problem. And he gives me a special disc. I won't tell you what it's called. They each have names. Uh, but this one has a negative five. So it actually, when I go that way, it wants to correct me to go straight. Pretty cool, eh? They made a disc for me, and you can see... All the nicks, those are the trees I hit. <laughs> the good part today is if I hit flesh, it won't dent. <laughs> so, should I go for it? Yeah. Ron, you're in the aisle. So I say all that so you remember that I almost got hit by a disc. Uh, no, uh, it's the beast. <laughs> I say all that to say that when it comes to the Christian faith, I've discovered that even in my own life, in our lives, though we, if we don't have that right hold on the truth and that foundation of life, we just have to be one degree out. And now in the long haul, we end up veering off. So technically, I'm five degrees out to get that disc to go straight. So I'll talk about five degrees out and how we can straighten out. But Israel had that same issue. Over the long haul, they started veering away from God. And my premise today is every one of us, pastor, elders, everybody included, and I'm included, we can veer off. And it is so subtle. But over the long haul, it can be so dangerous. And so I want to encourage you today from God's word on how we can stay on track for the long haul. I said staying faithful. Oh. That's not me. <laughs> That's me, staying faithful from Micah. And I have never preached actually from Micah. How many of you heard a sermon from Micah? Come on. A couple of you. Good, good, good. Uh, 
It's an amazing book. Because again, the prophet Micah as well as Isaiah in the same time were uh, helping correct God's people back on track. King Hezekiah at the time was trying to get people on track. Where, and you've also been aware over these minor prophets that there's the northern kingdom and then there's the southern. The northern kingdom, they were just corrupt and evil. And Yeah, okay. So the southern kingdom, if you were looking at church, it would look pretty good. They were doing okay on the outside. There was an appearance that everything was good. But God knew something more. And so he wants to open that door. And as you also are aware of, in these minor prophets, God gives correction and he gives hope, doesn't he? You've been discovering that as we've been studying these minor prophets. There is correction and there's hope. Now, I was going to say, for those of you that never heard a sermon on Micah, you probably heard some scripture from Micah, and it's usually at Christmas time. So if you're following, look up uh, Micah. Yeah, it's one of those minor prophets there. Uh, in Matthew, or Micah, ooh, get that right, 5.2, it talks about Bethlehem. That out of Bethlehem, Jesus would be born. It gives us this picture of the hope over 700 years later that Jesus was going to come out of Bethlehem, this Redeemer, this Prince of Peace. Pretty amazing. And also in Micah, it has this really cool picture of what the scholars will call the millennial reign of Jesus. And it talks about how Jesus will reign and even the other nations will want to come to see him and, and learn from him. Even that they would take, can you imagine this now? Every weapon of war turned around into garden tools. Be pretty powerful garden tools if you think about the weapons today. That's the picture of hope that he gives in Micah. I'm not going there today. Uh, but you've got it, right? Okay. I want to go on this area of how he, Micah wants to correct God's people and to make sure they stay on track. Because every one of us has the danger of veering over. And it is so subtle that we slowly maneuver over. And just a little degrees off, little degrees off. How do we stay true? And I want to say, if, if you're in this place of where Christianity is hard, where Jesus is like, it's just too difficult. I can't make it church. It's just so hard. And you start packing it in, in this area. I want to say those are some of the signs well, man, I have a hard time reading the Bible. How do we get back to this fullness of life? How do we stay steadfast, this enjoyment of life? That's where I want us to come to. So you've got your Bibles open, your tablets open to Micah. Heavenly Father, as we come to your word, I pray, God, your spirit would speak. Again, there's so much going on in my mind, in my head. I pray that you would give me clarity that we would hear your truth. Lord God, speak to us. I pray in Jesus' name. So we have a courtroom picture of in Micah. At least that's how I look at it when I read this. God is about to speak. Hear, O people, all of you, listen, O the earth and all who are in it, 
that the sovereign Lord may witness against you the Lord of his holy temple. So we have a picture of God here. Two things that sort of stand out. He is a sovereign Lord, all-powerful. He's going to make things happen. This is the God we're talking about who is testifying, standing in court and laying down evidence against you. He is a holy God. This holy God, this all-powerful God says, listen. How many of you do well in listening to your parents or did listen to your parents? Yeah. Yeah. My son, one of my sons was really good. If Linda or I had to say, hey, go do this, he'd say, okay, mom, I'll go do that. Never did. (laughs) But he always gave us the answer we wanted to hear. Another son would say, no way. No, I'm busy, you know. But he would go do it. (laughs) Literally. So when God says, listen... I think we need to have our ears open. And that's what really stood out to me as I read Micah. Listen, I am going to testify against you. I got evidence, and I'm going to lay it out. Now, I don't have time today to go through all the evidence. But needless to say, some of this evidence hit God's people. They were lying in bed, laying out schemes on how they could hurt people, how they could gain money, how they could have power over others. And they were robbing people, their own people. It hit a lot of leaders. It was talking about the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day that were to shepherd and care for their flock. They were actually saying, hey, you want to hear a good message? Uh, Pay me and I'll give you the blessings. If you feed me, I'll bless you. If you don't feed me, well, I'm I'm out to get you. Literally, that was what was going on. It was a real sad situation. And that's why even in Jesus' time, when you look at and you hear the story of Jesus going into the temple and throwing over tables and he's upset. You say, what's wrong with him having a marketplace, you know, a church, you know, it's all good. The leaders had a great idea. Let's create a policy, a plan that say, you don't have to bring your sacrifices from your farm. You just come and we will provide for you at a price. Again, And that's what Jesus was upset at. They were going off track. So these people were going off track. He was laying out the evidence of where these guys were straying. It was about pride. It was hurting people. It was selfishness. In place people, every one of us can be selfish. We can be prideful. We can be greedy. We can use our power for wrong. They were there. They had veered off so far off the path of walking with God. God is now speaking. And Micah is speaking to this, this correction that you need to turn. Because Assyria is also at the door ready to take you captive. So that's the evidence. He lays it all out. And he, then God says this. Oh, my people... Micah 6, 3, 
I'm sort of jumping around here a bit. Oh, my people, what have I done to you? How have I wearied you? This is God speaking after he, he lays out all that is against them. Answer me. I have brought you up from the land of Egypt. I have redeemed you from the house of slavery. I have sent before you Moses, Aaron, Miriam. And what about Balaam and uh, the son of Bor? Answered him. And what happened from Shittim to Gilgai that you may know the righteous acts of the Lord? So he's basically saying, I have blessed you. I have been your redeemer. I have brought you out of slavery. I have guided you. I have provided for you. I have protected you. And even when Balaam was being paid to curse you, I put blessings into his lips. I am the sovereign God. I am all powerful. I love you and I cared for you. Why did you turn away from me? But remember back to this theory that they were, church life was good. Everything on the outside looked good. They were doing the sacrifice. They were doing the religious acts. They was all good on the outside. But God had something, an issue of the heart, and he hits them. So he, he nails this to them, saying, hey, what's up? This is their response, I think. So here's their, their, their rebuttal in the courtroom. What does the Lord require? What shall I come before the Lord? Should I bow myself before God on high? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves uh, a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with a thousand of rams or 10,000 rivers of oil? What more do you want? And then, even if you, it, to, to, oh, to be, God's got to be so hurt by this statement. This is the sacrifices they were going, they were supposed to be doing, but they now switch over to the pagan worship. And they say, shall I give my firstborn for my transgressions, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? What do you require of me, God? And what you're seeing here is what do we have to pay you off on? What kind of sacrifices do you want me to give that you will back off and just bless me? Because that's what they were doing. They were living for money. They were abusing their power. And so they throw this right back at God. You and I would never do that, right? It's a pretty serious accusation that they come back at God for. And God, out of all the laws and the added laws that the Pharisees and religious leaders add to God's people, listen to God's response. I have shown you, oh man, I have shown you what is good and what the Lord requires of you. Put aside everything. And he nails three things, but that you would do justly, that you would love mercy, and that you would walk humbly with our God. Oh, God's gracious and merciful. He is coming down on Israel, God's people that were so off track. He goes, let us, let me remind you what I've already told you. But he narrows it down. Didn't Jesus do this? 
as well. But here's our Heavenly Father. To act justly, to do justly, to love mercy, to walk humbly with our God. Let's dissect that for a moment because if we get a hold of this, this might help us to stay on track. Have we veered off the track? I'll talk a bit more about that. To do justly. I did write a definition of that because I had a hard time grasping hold of doing justly somewhere. To act equitably. Not even sure what that means, but you do. <laughs> or rightly. Here's the simple version that gets a hold of me. To hurt nobody by word or deed. Wow. He hits his people with simple truth. Stop hurting people by your words and your deeds. To do things right. Not about your rights, but always thinking of that other person. How can I do justly? It's about living my life and leaders to live their life, and they weren't. On the outward, they were godly, these religious leaders, but inwardly. In 2 Timothy 3.15, somewhere in there, he says, you have a form of godliness, but you're denying the power thereof. The Israelites have veered off so far, they were looking good on the outside, but they weren't doing justly. It was about selfish gain. They had veered off the track. Jesus put it this way as well. On the, the blessings, the Beatitudes, the Mount, Sermon on the Mount. You have heard it was said, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the one that who is evil. Do justly. Show you know, what it is to follow Jesus. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn and run. Doesn't say that, does it? Turn him the other cheek. Doesn't say that neither, does it? This is what it is. What does it mean to do justly? But if he slaps you on the right cheek, turn him the other also. And if anyone would sue you and take your tonic, let him have your cloak as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him too. See, he's looking now at a person. See, they were loving things and using people. Everything that was created, it was about using people. And he says, love people. Jesus redirecting. Are you doing justly? Or you just want my rights? This is hard to hear. This is God on, in the courtroom giving evidence saying we are out to lunch. And I had to check my own heart. And God did speak and say, man, you need to get on what I called you to do. You need to be obedient. Because I had veered off. Even the simplest thing and. And this is sad. And I'll share a bit of my story. So, and some of you know a bit of my story. When Linda and I got saved and we loved Jesus and 
we would be giving to people out of our poverty. We didn't have, and I would come home and she would give people that are needy, and I'm like, what are we going to eat? And you say, well, that's really cool that we sacrificed. The sad part is, we always continue to give and sacrifice that we gave, and then when we had, less and less we stopped giving. We gave out of our abundance, not out of our poverty. And I'm like, my spirit, God just said, what are you doing? You're doing the same thing. You give when it's convenient. And God had to prick my heart because I can veer off so easily off that track. Of being on fire for Jesus as the songs we sung and all of a sudden we got cold. And God doesn't want us there. He wants us to stay on fire for Jesus. Get be excited about living this Christian life. So he says, do justly. Do justly. And the other one is love mercy. To love mercy. To actually be part of your character. Of, this is what we should be known for. Micah 7 describes God's character. God, who is God like you? who pardons sin, forgives our transgressions of the remnant of his inheritance. You do not stay angry forever, but you delight to show mercy. He delights to show mercy. And here he's saying to do justly, love mercy. You will again have compassion on us. You will tread our sins underfoot and hurl all our iniquities into the depths of the sea. Are we willing to love mercy? Again, a story of, uh, how many stories can I give before I run out of time? I'm out of time. So one more story. Uh, again, we were in a Bible study. We were God's people. We were doing good things. We were studying the Bible, and we were learning about it, and it was about showing mercy, and who do we hold back and not show that love to? In the middle of our studying God's word of how good we are and how we're reading God's word, there's a knock on my door. I'm like, they're interrupting our study. <laughs> and every one of us knew the person at that door. And we, God convicted us like you wouldn't believe. This is a person that needs our love and mercy. He was, everybody knew him in the community as well. But he was a burden to us. And God said, love mercy. The message is clear. It puts us in an uneasy place. And I want to say, every one of us here, everyone listening, I think on a good day, maybe on a good day, we could do justly and love mercy. <laughs> Maybe on a good day. It's not our natural pl place to go. We want ourself. How do we love mercy? I, I think this, this, this call that God narrowed the, well, we'll do all the laws. What's the young, the young uh, rich man who says to Jesus, oh, I've done all, I'm good, I've done all the laws. I am faithful, I am good. 
And he goes, okay, I want you to sell everything you have because he was rich. That guy was devastated because Jesus spoke to the heart. He says, how about you give everything and come follow me? And that's not a sermon that you say everybody's supposed to give all your money and just follow Jesus, but it was to that man because that was what was holding him back. Jesus is speaking to Israel saying, what are you holding back? I want you to do justly and love mercy. They were called to bring, let other nations in and to love them and part of them. And that somehow they had veered off the track. And we can too because this is not a simple thing. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. Forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control against things that there is no law. When I look at that and I'm like, yeah, I'm not always measuring up to that. How about you? Because I can't do it in the flesh. We need the Spirit of God, don't we? And how do we do that? It's really, we walk humbly with Jesus. And so if we're going to stay on track and... Okay, time is an evil thing to me. <laughs> if we're going to stay on track, we need to walk humbly with Jesus. It comes out of brokenness. It comes out of walking with him. We're all in the journey together saying, I want to follow Jesus. So I'll give you five degrees how to pull us back on track in summary to close this off. But read the book of Micah in a freshness and see where the Spirit of God speaks to you on how have we veered off track and God's called to let's walk together, to walk humbly with Jesus, to live as a pastor, to live as a follower of Christ. We need Jesus. I like to say we are followers of Jesus. It's so much more than just having head knowledge. And we'll get to that here. Come follow me, Jesus said. We are followers of Jesus. If you believe in Jesus, and that's an interesting thing. Hebrews chapter, man, I diverged again. Hebrews eleven six. It says, oh, I should, I should read it. Um, just to keep myself... Do I have it written down? Hebrews 11. Without faith, it is impossible to please God, please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and rewards those who seek him. So if we're going to follow Jesus, we need to believe that he is real. And that is not just in the head. That is passionately saying, I'm following Jesus because he's real. And he rewards those who seek him. And it's not about, I'm going to get money. It's about the reward of knowing who God is, that he's good, he is faithful, he is kind, he is merciful. And so I'm all in with Jesus. And I'm like, yeah, let's go with Jesus. Are we in? Yeah. I know, it's a, it's a, it's a tough message. <laughs> but here's the, here's the points I want us to, to come together, the five degrees to bring us on track. We need to be willing to learn from Jesus. Not just do Bible study, not just do your devotions. That's one of my pet peeves, by the way, devotions. It's like I did something for God. We're devoted to Jesus. So if you use the word and I get excited, don't get, yeah, anyways. <laughs> I'm devoted to Jesus, so I want to learn from him. So basically, I'll give you 
three things that when you come to God's word, literally pray. Just say, God, what do you want to teach me about who you are? God, what do you want to teach me about who you are? God, what are you teaching me about who I am? Because our identity in Christ is critical. And then the third one, God, what are you calling me to obey? See, that's the start of my Christian walk with Jesus. I just read the God's word, and it was the first book I've ever read, and I just read it, and I just did what he asked me to do. And I trusted him at his word. But all of a sudden, as I walk with Jesus, and I'm veering off, I'm like, ah, that one doesn't apply to me. It applies to everybody else, right? Oh, that one's for my wife. How many of you doing this? You listen to a message that, oh, I wish Joe was here. That's all I'm saying, okay? Uh, we, can, we can easily do that. So when we read God's word, just bring those things. Ask those questions as you're seeking him. Be open to be discipled. That means you've got to be moldable. That means you've got to be open to correction. Whoa. I don't mind if the spirit corrects me, but I don't want anybody else correcting me. <laughs> right? If we're open to being discipled, we need to be open to humbly walk with Jesus saying, God, I'm open. You correct me. You mold me. And he will use people. He will use the scripture to correct you and to keep you on track. Because we all need that. We need community. Now, this is awesome. I, I love coming back here with everybody here and joining with you online. Uh, you know, to be here is really neat. But you can, just as easy as the person online can change the channel or walk away, you can get up just as fast as you came in and leave and have no community. What I discovered, and again, it's just a reiterating of what God has shown me these past months, is we need discipleship. I need to be discipled, and I need to be discipling somebody. And I can't do that standing up here. I need to be able to nurture people, and I need to be nurtured. It's nice. Do you feel nurtured? You know, not from this message. <laughs> okay, accountability. We need accountability. Well, you can hear the word and just walk out. We need community, which means it needs to be smaller. In order to actually be discipled, be nurtured, and accountability, and I don't know how many of you wrote that down, none of you, but if you figure out what it is, if you went D-N-A, that's not something I created, but it's really cool. It's the DNA of the kingdom that we need to be discipled, we need to nurture, and we need to be accountable to somebody. So for each one of us here, if you're saying, hey, I don't know what it is to walk with Jesus. I need to be discipled. Go talk to somebody. Come talk to me. Let's lay that out. I say two to three people. Even when the, you get big, it's harder. You can, and again, crowds, it's hard to disciple and to nurture and to be accountable. I say two to three people. We need that community. If you're going to stay on track and for the long haul and experience the fullness of Christ, we need community. 
And I just reiterate, obey Jesus. <laughs> Through all this, we need to say yes to Jesus. When he hears, when you listen to him, my sheep know my voice. He speaks to us truth. Will I obey him? Don't justify. Don't push it on to so-and-so, my wife. You know, it, Just focus. You know, This is for me. God, what are you saying to me? Last one, disciple others. And I'm just pulling these two together, three. I need to be discipled and I need to disciple others. It keeps us on track. If you, for example, if I just keep going to a Bible study and I keep learning God's word, learning God's word, learning God's word, awesome. We just get spiritually fat, right? We need to grow. There's not like, oh, I've done that. I'm finished that. Yeah, I've read the Bible. This is relational. God longs for relation and to walk humbly with him. He created us for relationship with him and with others. But it needs to go this way and this way. So this is what God calls for us. So we can do justly. We can love mercy. We can walk humbly with him. But we need him. We need each other to stay on track. Amen? Amen? Yeah. God does want to do that. And my heart is for each one of us to experience, not to find Christianity boring, but exciting. It's an adventure. You know what? I, I, again, I had to reiterate, and then I'm going to wrap this up quickly. <laughs> I say that three times now. Uh, when I was away, I had to come to this place to say, okay, Jesus, I need to confess my sin where I have veered off. And Lord, I, <laughs> these words scare my wife more than me. God, I will do what you ask me to do. I will go where you ask me to go. Are you willing to do that? Because that's what it is to follow Jesus. Oh God, with all our hearts, we long for you. Come, transform us to be Christ-centered, spirit-empowered, mission-focused people multiplying disciples everywhere. Is that something you could take ownership of? This prayer. This is not my prayer. This is a prayer of the bigger church family of the lions. But if this is something that you could pray, will you pray with me? Oh God, with all our hearts, we long for you. Come. Spirit-empowered, mission-focused people, multiplying disciples everywhere. Heavenly Father, we speak those words, knowing the flesh can be weak. We ask for your spirit to come in and afresh that we would obey you wherever you call us to go. Whatever you call us to do, we will follow you. That we would be known as followers of you. The people that are transformed by you. That we are people that obey you. Spirit of the God, have your way in our lives. Let's stand as we respond with this song that declares that 
Jesus will be the one that we build our lives upon.
Help us to follow in your ways. Not just walk out these doors and put everything we've heard today aside, but to follow your lead and your leading in this moment. And so as we conclude our service time, this is a ministry time still, a time of prayer. If you've got something in need that you need prayer for, come forward. In these front pews, we'd be happy to pray with you. But I would take that further and say, if you've heard the Lord directing you and leading you and you want to follow him more closely, come forward for prayer, to be prayed for, for that in your life. That it wouldn't just stay the same. The same week after week, no change in your faith, in your life. But that God would take you further and deeper. So this will be a place of prayer. There will be a place of fellowship in our lobby. And uh, let's do this thing, following Jesus together as his community, as his church. Have a great week.